All right. Awesome. This meeting is re being recorded. Thanks, Zoom. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Force Athletics Life and Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Inferna. We have a real special guest today, someone I haven't seen since, gosh, I think 2016. All-American yeah. national champion thrower, Jordan Cran. How are you, man? Doing great. I'm doing great, Doc. How, how are you doing? We're doing well. We, uh, we managed to get through this first batch of holidays uh, nice. relatively, <laughs> relatively unscathed. Uh, we put all the lights and the decorations up uh, this morning uh, for the most part, and we got our tree on Friday. So things are going pretty well here. Nice. How about yourself? Uh, same here. Same here. Made it through our, our first Thanksgiving. My wife and I actually cooked for the first time on mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. So so we, we made it through that uh, unscathed. Everything turned out to be pretty tasty. So we ate a lot of it. And uh, yeah, probably ate way too much, but in a good way, you know, That's in a perfect. good way. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're, we're switching gears, getting ready for for Christmas and beyond. That's great. So is this was this your first uh, Thanksgiving as a married couple or is this a uh, second? No, this is our second Thanksgiving as a married yeah. couple, but it's, it's our first one hosting. So uh, was it different hosting as opposed to going someplace else? 110 percent. <laughs> yes. Yes. Put, put it like this. We spent probably around six hours cooking everything and we never really realized what all it took to go into, you know, pre preparation, you know, realizing, yeah. hey, this whole dinner is on us. You know, if we mess this up and it tastes terrible, you know, we're going to let everybody down. So it's like having having that that pressure. Um, it's very, very interesting because it almost kind of reminded me of, of, you know, throwing and everything, not wanting to let your coach down. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we, we were able to deliver, though. Everybody thought everything was delicious and we did as well. And uh, everybody had a blast. So that's great. Well, we got I guess, like you said, we're on the home stretch here about four four weeks out from the next big one. Um, but what I was going to mention before we hit record, um, the last time we, let's see, uh, Lewis and I, Lewis and I came out, we threw at Ohio state. It might, what was it like, uh, January of 17, maybe. Was yeah. January that, of 17, something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. And, uh, I learned something in, uh, <laughs> the garage that we were hanging out in outside for those. Well, that doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> that you initially, went to Ashland to play football and that you were not throwing was not in the cards at the very beginning. So why don't we like kind of start there? So uh, you were a football player and right, I think, and then yep. you, you show up on campus and uh, you know, let's take it away. What happens? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I, I get to Ashland for football um, mm -hmm. kind of to, Tell a little bit of background info before yeah. that. Um, Ashland wasn't even supposed to be my destination. Um, at, a, at a point in time, I was working alongside the running backs coach at University of Illinois. We were trying to get some get some things together. They weren't too interested in me, but he loved me um, as an athlete, as a person. Uh, so we, we were trying to figure some things out. Um, and me being a 17-year-old kid that always wanted to go to the University of Illinois for one reason or another, um, completely disregarded any other opportunity I had. I'm like, I'm laser focused here. I want to be a fighting Illini. I want to wear the orange. I want to just right. be that that person. Um, well, unfortunately, around December of 2011, going into 2012, uh, their entire coaching staff got let go. Um, and that meant my connections got let go before I was offered a dollar. So they didn't have to honor anything, um, lost connections. And I'm like, shoot, 
I need to go to college. <laughs> Where am I going to go? Right. And I, I ran into a buddy of mine named, named Tyler Siverson. I uh, can't recall exactly where I want to say, was that the mall? Um, gosh, time is just moving fast on me. But I, I want to say it was at the mall. Um, ran, ran into him, talk shop a little bit. Um, he was a guy that I threw a little bit against in high school when I was throwing some shot put in discus. Um, and, you know, he asked me, like, what's going on? Were you going to school? I know it's your senior year. And I'm like, dude, uh, I really don't know. <laughs> like, and I explained my situation to him. And he said, well, look, I go to a school called Ash University. You know, it's a Division II school. Um, it's in Central Ohio. P- pretty small, but pretty tight and pretty cool. Um, if you have film, I'll, you know, get it to my coaches and maybe who knows what it can lead to. And I'm like, dude, yeah, like this is this is a heaven sent. Sure. So fast forward, we do that. I go up there for a visit, fall in love with it and end up at Ashland um, freshman year. So. I first met Judd Logan um, at our, they call it summer drive-in, which is like a freshman orientation where they have a round table. You go around meeting professors from each department, um, coaches from each athletic, so on and so forth. So I always told myself, I enjoyed throwing in high school. I thought I was more of a sprinter. Um, um, I, I always wanted to be the big guy that can run down all the little guys. So in, in my head, I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe I can try track and field and football. Maybe I can sprint. And, you know, I was running back. So maybe I could play football and sprint or maybe play football and throw. Who knows? Uh, so I met Judd Logan and he he laid it out to me, said your freshman year, you would stick with football. Then your second year, you would do football um, in the fall and come to us in the winter for indoors and possibly go out for spring ball. Um, pretty much that that's on you. I said, OK, cool. Um, and fast forward, I didn't that was my one and only conversation with him. Uh, up until my sophomore year or my second year in college. Um, After my second year in college playing football, I realized one thing that I was tired of getting hit. Um, As I mentioned, I came in as a running back, played some fullback as well. Uh, So I was doing both. But either way, I had to make a lot of contact with a lot of big, fast, strong guys, you know. And I was telling myself, I'm like, man, if these guys are big, strong, and fast at this level, if, you know, Laura Will and I had the opportunity to go to the next level, whether that's NFL, um, Canada, whatever, they're only going to get faster, stronger, and they're going to hit harder. I'm like, I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm A-OK. So right. I'm like, let me, let me see what that was. That guy's name is Coach Logan. Let me, let me go see what that guy's right. talking about. So popped in on him in his office um randomly after the season had concluded and he was honest with me he said hey um he said yeah yeah I remember you you're the you're the crazy guy that, that hits everybody on the field I'm like yep that's me um and he and he just told it to me straight he was like well look you know I know you you threw some discus in high school and threw a little shot and sprinted he said you don't have the length to be a like a, a great discus thrower right because I'm a nubby guy he said, you don't have the size to be a, a viable shot putter, you know, unless I want to put on 60, 70 pounds. And I'm like, no, no, not, not going to happen. Uh, so he's like, the only thing that we could really experiment with is the hammer. And I'm like, cool. Well, what's, what's that? <laughs> you know? Uh, so you um, kind of fast forward a little bit and he taught me the hammer. Uh, everybody in that group as well, all the other athletes uh, t- took a lot of interest in me because I was a football guy and like this football guy is trying to learn how to throw. So it, so it was almost like, um, you know, how they say it takes a village to, to raise someone. Right. Right. Um, that's almost how it was. So, of course, Judd took care of me, but my teammates took care of me as well. You know, when I would stay after practice and do turns and do drills, I would always have a teammate or two stay after with me, you know, making sure I'm doing things right. 
making sure that, you know, I'm not breaking anything in the field house because I'm, I was notorious for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so things like that happened. And, you know, my, my first year ended up going pretty well. Uh, I want to say I threw... 1688 in the weight indoors um, with about four to six weeks of training and through 5794 in the hammer um, outdoors um, and had a chance to go to the NCAA national meet outdoors. And from there, I was I was hooked. I was 110 percent hooked. So when you you have these initial conversations with Judd and, and he tells you to come out maybe after football and things, did like were you? Like have anybody that that uh, I've talked to that that competed for Judd? Like, did you know who he was? Like, was there like, oh yeah, you need to talk to this guy because he went to the Olympics, or because there's just this you know wheelhouse of throwers that turn out here that you know there's a good chance you could go to the Olympics someday? Like, was there any like, did you have any understanding of what you were walking into? Uh, to be honest, I had zero understanding. <laughs> I didn't realize who Judd Logan was until. I was already a part of the team and I seen the Olympic rings on his calf. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Hmm, only people that have made the Olympic games get that tattoo. Hmm. Let me Google. So I Googled him and then it just all hit me. I'm like, wow, I've been casually approaching this guy because I'm the type of person where I'm like, I don't, it doesn't matter to me if you're the president, it doesn't matter to me who you are. You know, I'm going to approach you as if I would approach anybody else, of course, respectable and everything. Right. But, you know, to me, we're all humans. We're all in this together. You know, so at that moment, I was just like, he's just he's just another coach. You know, he's just right. some other guy. When in reality, he is one of the most decorated throwers in the United States history. And then it hit me and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I've been just I've been just talking to him just as if he's he's any old regular guy. But the beautiful thing about Judd, one of the things I love about him the most is he that's how he wants you to be with him he doesn't want you to look at him as if he's this entity I mean he is he's a genetically gifted he's he's a phenom right um but he still wants you to approach him as if he's your regular Joe Schmo you know so yeah yeah once it hit me I was like oh wow okay we're we're in for something I'm like I don't know how good I can be I don't know how good he can make me but I think I'll be pretty successful (laughs) So you, you did end up being very successful, but when, when was it that you realized that you had a niche for this? Like you threw 16, 80, you know, 80 and change your freshman year. So that's like 57 feet, but then you go to nationals in the hammer and uh, D2s. I mean, I coach D3, like totally, you know, different, uh, different ball games. So when did you realize like, wow, like I'm going to nationals. I just started throwing this hammer weight thing like 10 weeks ago and now I'm one of the top 24 in the country yeah um it it really sunk in we we were looking to make sure I got in um I think I got in like 18th or 19th um we we was checking tefers we made sure um before we celebrated or anything but once I realized I was in I was like wow okay you know I guess we're going to nationals and and you know to full transparency with you like I've never made a state championship meet right like I've never I never have been this guy in the track and field realm that has had success. So I'm like, wow, okay, this is cool. And then we got the nationals and I believe that year it was in Allendale. Yes. At at Grand Valley state university. Um, We had the banquet and they had the the ceremony and I was just like, I was just blown away, you know? And at that moment in time, I didn't really know if I belonged there. I was like, there had to be an error. Like, I don't, I'm not right. supposed to be here. Like, like, what, what am I doing here? Like I had no track and field success in high school. 
what am I, what am I doing here? And we competed and, you know, of course I didn't make finals, um, almost three fouled and judges gave me a hug. And, you know, he's just like, you know, you, you did great. He's like, I'm so excited for what's to come. And I'm like, dude, I just absolutely threw terrible. I'm like, why are you giving me a hug? Why are you excited? Like what? Um, and I had no idea. I, I could not see what he could see at that moment in time. And you fast forward to later in my career, I'm like, ah, it all makes sense now. <laughs> so that, uh, so you had your, that um, freshman year competing in track. And then did you stay, like you're originally from Ohio? Or are you? Yes. Were, so, so did you stay closer to Ashland and then like kind of train with the group that was already there? Or, because this is pre, what was your freshman year, 2012, 2013? Yes, that was, that was my, yep, that, that was my uh, f- first year in college, okay. yes. So did you, did you stay there after your, um, after your first track season, or did you go home after the fact, or, like, did you train there, or, like, kind of, like, what's the conversation with Judd before you come home from Grand Valley? Is it, okay, we'll see you in August, or this is the program, let's see what happens over the summer? Like, how, how did that kind of shake out? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was a matter of, so, a little bit more background I was never going home over the summer so my, my my first year playing football I stayed over the summer to do summer workouts for sure. football uh, so right away I got I got the taste of nationals I was like okay so how do I get on the podium now mm-hmm. how do I take that next step right and at that point in time you know Judd was like okay well let's take two weeks off and then let's let's make it happen I said okay cool so um, Ashland has a program where you can stay over the summer in one of the summer dor- dormitories. So that's what I did. I stayed in in one of the dorms. Which one was it? A- Andrews Hall. I, I stayed in there over the summer, uh, trained with, with Judd. Um, we put in the toe turn, and that was one of the best things I could have ever done because I was able to get so many repetitions. And they weren't all like, hey, you know, shoot for the moon. There were a lot of drills. There was a lot of heavy ball work. There were a lot of things that I didn't, want to do because all I could think about was getting back to Grand Valley that next year and throwing far but I knew I had to I had to you know um I had to punch the clock right I had to put in the work in order to do what we needed to do so stayed over the summer um ended up having a blast because once a lot of my other teammates came back I didn't realize how far ahead I was getting until um, the teammates that went home came back and we had our first inner squad or like our first deal I want to say it was our first inner squad and it was phenomenal. And I was just like, wow, okay. Staying over the summer really does something. I guess I'm never going home again, you know? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like with, um, like I have, I have a bunch of freshmen this year at, uh, at Alfred state. And, and I try and talk about like being patient and, and like trying to learn and figure this out. Like, was there, was it just something that you picked up along the way of, okay, it's just going to take, you know, 2000 toe turns or is there like a conversation? Cause you had, I mean, I mean, your, your, your teammates, I mean, they're the who's who of Ashland also. So when you talk about it, it takes a, you know, it takes a tribe um, to raise somebody or a village there. Was there somebody else like an upperclassman or some type of mentor that you had on the team that, Hey Jordan, you know, this is, this is how it works. And this is how, you know, you just got to be patient, just kind of like uh, helping you along as, as you're trying to figure this stuff out and navigate throwing. Yeah. um, I would say that, I don't think it was necessarily one person, but I think it was a collaborative effort to, I think, but between us all, um, 
So one thing we would do after practice is we would go to the, the convocation center, which of course is, is our dining hall. Mm -hmm. um, and we would get food and we would talk shop, right? Um, right. Myself, Brent Campbell, Megan Tomei, Clayton Jury at the time, um, Zach Ball, like we would just literally sit around. Of course, we would crack jokes and do everything that right. teammates are supposed to do. Right. Um, but really, we would be sitting there looking at film, right? So I'm sitting there looking at, oh, why does my toe turn look goofy? You know, and Megan Tomei is right here with me and she's looking at stuff too, right? right. Um, and, and vice versa. We always did that. We always helped each other out uh, for better or for worse in that right. regard. And typically by the end of the night, um, after I've, I've drawn some type of crazy conclusion, I would text Judd, right? And I would say, hey, you know, I was really looking at my toe turn today. Like, I think everything else looks good. But what do you think? Like, what do you think is really going on? And he would give me feedback, right? And and I, I commend him and I commend his wife for letting us do that because we were cutting into his family time and his personal time and he would respond, right? He would do coach's eye breakdowns with us. Um, he would um, just overall give us give us some, some feedback and let us know, okay, this is what we're going to focus on tomorrow. Hey, you're right. I'm actually glad that you spotted that out. You know, let's, let's focus on this tomorrow. And all that would do is build that anticipation up. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to nail that tomorrow. I can't wait to improve that and get better with it tomorrow. Um, so it was, there, there wasn't really a big mentorship. It was more of, of a, of a, of a collaborative effort mm -hmm. for us all to, to just grow together. Right. It doesn't matter if you are a 40 meter guy in the hammer or a 70 meter guy. Hey, look, we, we both still have room to improve. Let's help each other in whatever way we can. So as you're uh, learning and uh, taking this in from everybody, uh, eventually it clicks and you earn your first uh, All-American. What, what did that feel like coming to Ashland, expecting to be a, a tailback or fullback and, and, and not even thinking about track to now being recognized as one of the top throwers in the country? You know, it, it, I, didn't, I didn't give myself the opportunity. And looking back at it, um, I would tell at that time my 19 or 20-year-old self, to enjoy that moment. But in that moment, all I could think about was the next step, right? So okay. my, my first All-American accolade, my, my first top eight finish was at Grand Valley that following right. year. Mm -hmm. um, that year I had one in with a personal best of 6649. Mm -hmm. So in my head, looking at the looking at the paper, hey, if I throw that on the day, you know, I get top right. three. Okay, we're doing something. And I want to say I placed fifth or sixth. Um, I think I threw around 62 meters or so. Mm -hmm. So my next thought was, hey, got the All-American, that's cool. Right. But how do I get up next? Like, how do I move up on the podium, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I never really took the time to focus on being one of the best hammer throwers in the country. And I would tell mm -hmm. anybody listening to this to acknowledge that, acknowledge that small victory, right? Still be hungry, but acknowledge mm -hmm. that because that is a feat. That's something that there are hundreds and thousands of throwers every year at every division. If you finish in the top 10, top 12, if you make the meet, like that is a beautiful thing. Acknowledge that and, and, you know, pay mind to that because if you don't, then sometimes you can find yourself always in a negative state. You can find yourself always like, man, um, just so hard on yourself and you're never, you know, cutting yourself some slack, giving yourself some credit for all the work you've done, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause you never know. I mean, I, I've always taken the, uh the approach of like, you never know if you are ever going to go back. And uh, Lewis and I always joke about that because I have some exploits of going to nationals and buying everything under the sun because you never <laughs> know, right? Like it, it's horrible. My wife hates it. I mean, there's been over here to my right under 
in our basement of, of just national stuff, but you really do never know. And, and I think it's, it's difficult sometimes for maybe newer throwers or, or people who are just getting into it to, to really appreciate that. Like, wow, last week, I didn't know how to, how to wind a hammer or weight, you know, this week we have a meet and I didn't follow. So that's like a win. And you try and take those little things. So when you're throwing at that level, I mean, you put almost 10 meters in a season. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, if I can get a kid to throw 10 meters farther over four years, like, I feel like the, the, that's a win. But you did that in one season. Like, what, what are the little wins that you'd start thinking about along the way of, okay, I threw 58, I made, the, I made nationals. Now, wow, I threw 64, I'm at 65. And now it's like, wow, 66. Now, it's not just you're good at D2. Like, you're on the cusp of, I could throw at outdoor nationals. You know, mm-hmm. the 2016 trials are coming up. Like, not to, you know, take a peek too much behind the curtain, but does Judd ever have that conversation with you of like, all right, you're 66 next year's the Olympic trials. Like this is what it's going to take. Or is it still just, you've only been throwing the hammer for a year. So let's see what happens. Yeah. So I think Judd does a great job of letting people carve their own journey and he just Mm -hmm. facilitates. Right. So Judd didn't mention anything about the Olympic trials next year until Mm -hmm. I brought it up to him. I brought up the whole, um, at that time it was the, like the, the NACAC under 23 championships were happening. I want to say the Olympic trials were happening that following year. So once I brought those things up to him, I think he realized, okay, you know, this is the route that Jordan wants to go. So how do we get him there? All right, let, let's right. do it. You know, and I, th- and I think that's such a beautiful thing because there are talented individuals out there that have no interest in the Olympic trials, the Olympic right. games are like, Hey, I'm here to get my education. I, w- I have a career that I want to embark in, mm-hmm. but I just so happen to be good. Right. Like right. It, it happens all the time. So I think he does an incredible job of just letting you um, carve out your, your own path. And then he just follows suit from there. So yes, we, we definitely discussed it. We definitely talked about some things that, we needed to be better at moving forward into the following year in order to make the, the Olympic right. trials and then possibly some international meets. So that following year, I think, is uh, the 15-16 season. So yes. You have, you have a phenomenal indoor campaign, right? National champion. Like, when, when did you realize then that season? Because you were 18 meters the year before, I believe. And now you're over 20 into that 21. You're over 70 feet. Mm-hmm. Do, do you does it do you start realizing like wow like I was on the podium before now there's actually a chance to win this thing or does that like not not at the forefront of your mind as you're kind of moving towards that that uh you know third year of throwing yeah yeah no it it 100 was the the moment I first threw over 21 meters that year I want to say that was at Ohio State like the moment we came back from winter break uh, I want to say I threw 2109 and at that moment, I was like, OK, I think we can pull it off this year. I think I think it's going to be tough. Right. We have Darian Thornton, who is a machine, a freakish athlete thrown over right. 22 meters. Right. We had Kanijia Rayner, who was mm-hmm. a Juco transfer, went to central Missouri, who that year ended up throwing like 2190 close to 22 mm-hmm. meters. Uh, so I went in ranked third. But I knew um, as we were having breakfast uh, the day I want to say maybe the day before the meet. Um, was it breakfast? I can't, I can't quite recall if it was breakfast or lunch, but I remember I was sitting across from Judd and he was like, so do you think you think you can win this thing? And I'm like, yeah, I, th- I think I can. I think I can win this thing. I'm feeling good. You know, we've made the proper technical progressions. We we can we can make this thing happen. We can definitely right. make this thing happen. And the day of the meet, I just felt I felt great. I felt mentally great. I felt at peace with whatever would happen. 
Um, it was it was a phenomenal like phenomenal premium, I should say. Right. Um, I, I, I got my, my go-to chicken bacon ranch sub from Subway, yeah. kind of ate it in the bleachers as everything unwinded, headphones in, mm-hmm. um, and just casually got going on the day, casually got going. Mm-hmm. So I knew, I knew that it could be something special. Um, a little, a little fun sidebar story, uh, that for that national championship, um, again, warmed up really well. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of scary. Typically at that point in time, either I didn't warm up that good and competed well, or I warmed up really good and did not compete well. It was one or the other. So I was like, okay, I'm going to break that trend. I'm going to break that curse right here, right now. Warmed up well, uh, round one, um, had a a slippage in the ring, wiped out Mm -hmm. the ring with a wet towel, did not dry it out. So had a slippage, dumped it foul, whatever. Round two had had a situation where took the throw and throw went right sector. So we're like, okay, two foul situation, um, rank number three coming into the meet, and I'm not going to make the final. Okay, cool. So we go in for the third attempt. Um, I go in and we say, okay, we can just take this throw from a sling, sling three heel, turn throw, make the final. We should be good Uh, because I could always sling throw 20 meters, which would make the finals. Um, Because at that point in time, my my competition technique was wind three heel turns. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I went to take the sling in, got through one turn, did not feel confident about it at all. So I stopped. I stopped and I kind of spun out a little bit and I just went to reset. And I looked at Judd and Judd looked at me and he could just see like the my soul leaving my body. Sure. So he told me he right. did one of the like one of the most interesting things. I, I would I would have never thought of this. He said, ask for a ring sweep out. So I look over at the official, say, could I get a ring sweep out, please? And they pause, pause the timer. I get to step out, mm-hmm. ring sweep out. It gives me a chance to kind of take a breath, right? Sure. Realize you're supposed to be here. Realize right. like we we deserve to be here. Let's let's mm-hmm. let's get our just due, right? So get the ring sweep out, get a little bit of color back in my face, right. take the sling, throw, throw like 20 meters, 10, go on the finals in like fourth or fifth place. Okay, perfect. And at that moment, I'm like, okay, I need to go to the restroom because I am, I'm, I'm about to peel myself and I might pass out. So I need to run to the restroom. So ran to the restroom, um, use, of course, use the restroom, um, splash water in my face, tell myself in the mirror, look, we're, we're here. We got three, we got three opportunities to win this meet, three chances. Let's go. And I just get this little grin. I'm excited. Come in for round four, loosey goosey. I'm like, I'm already an all American. Let's go. And round four is the throw. I threw 21, I think 2181. Uh, and that was the throw that went on to actually win the meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was just so interesting. Like the the chemistry that Judd and I had in that moment, he knew round three mentally, I was just in a terrible place, right? He could see it in my face, my body language. And he gave me the opportunity to reset that and to kind of become Jordan Crayon again. Right. And and I'll be honest, I think if that's any other coach with me at that moment, I don't think I take that throw and I make the final, right? He right. just, right. we were on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. So that I find that stuff so interesting, like these little sidebar stories, like, because when people look at the results, they say, okay, Jordan won, you know, he said a personal best 20, you know, and, and you ride off into the sunset, but everything leading up to it, sometimes that's what I find most interesting as a coach is we we get there and we we achieve our goals and our aspirations but no one really knows like leading up to it so i i I didn't know that about you and i didn't know that that happened and and judd's savviness to ask to sweep the circle to buy yourself some time to get back and clear the cobwebs a little bit how 
like talk about Judd not so much as like and like a coach but like like that he knew that you needed to step out for those few seconds like how like what do you what do you attribute that to like I mean obviously you guys spend a lot of time together and you know you throw every day but there's you know there's you have what 20 other teammates that are throwing too like on given seasons so like how does Judd know to you know, we got to get him out of there for a few minutes. You know, it could, it reminds me almost like the Lance deal story of the, at the Olympics, like I have to go to the bathroom and they stopped the whole meet for him to, you know, right. Like, so, so how do you, like, I I don't know. I just think that's so interesting. So cool. Like how, how do you think Judd knows to do that besides just like looking at you? Like, is there, you know, just other conversations or things along the way that, um, that you thought were important for him to know, before you guys got to that meet in March? Yeah, um, I think the simple answer would be that I think Judd has a supercomputer between his ears and he can calculate things right. like at the snap of a finger. Right. But but no, um, I, I just think that he has a true attention to detail for every living human being that he comes across. Right. Um, I think it doesn't matter who you are. You could be a guy passing by him on the street that he'll never see again for the rest of his life but he's going to pay attention to body language. He's going to see if you're holding your head up or head down. He's going to see if he had to acknowledge you first or if you acknowledged him first, right? He's going to see and notice and pay attention to everything. And that was Judd every single day. Yes, there were, I want to say, yeah, we were pushing 20 throwers on the team, but he always recognized body language. He always recognized trends in us, right? I mean, he would go to the dining hall with us and eat with us, right? He would have barbecues in his backyard. Um, We had team dinners. We had so many events and so many opportunities for us to learn one another, which I think is a beautiful thing, of course, in its own. And he and he was a guy that if he couldn't figure out what's going on, he would pull you aside to figure out what's going on with Jordan. Right. He would say, hey, hey, doctor in front of, hey, I know, you know, you've been you know, you've been spending a lot of time with Jordan outside of practice. What's what's going on? He seems a little down. He break up with his girlfriend. Did you know, is, is something wrong? Is, did he have like something happen in his family? You know, just some things like that. He was more than willing to figure out so that he could find the best way to assess and take care of not the athlete, but take care of the person. Right. And I think that's what separates Judd from every other coach that I've ever came in contact with is he cared about you as a person before he cared about you as an athlete. And that's, that's the reason why he could tell that I wasn't there in round three and that I needed a reset and that I needed to step out. You know, I needed to remind myself who I was um, and things of that regard. He just, his, his crazy ability to pay attention to detail and to make sure that he understands you to the greatest extent possible, you know? So, so as you're continue on with, with your 15, 16 season and, and, you know, the PRs keep coming and keep coming and keep coming, does it ever get to a point where you start thinking to yourself, like, wow, like how, not how much further can I take this, but you know, I, it's not realistic to PR like every single meet or have these like huge increases in distances of, you know, you're not going to go from 67 to 77. I mean, maybe you could. But, you know, like, (laughs) but, um, you know, do you, do you start thinking about more of like the finer aspects of, of the, the throwing process or do you start, cause you, you know, I mean, that conversation is is a lot of like mental prep and, and focus and being able to kind of, um, you know, re-energize and and refocus your mind to imagery and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. As you transition outdoor, is it kind of like a similar, similar, um, 
mindset moving forward? Because now you're a national champion indoor. Do you start thinking about I could do I can win both this year? I can win the hammer also. Yes, one one hundred and ten percent. Um, it's actually funny. My that was year. Goodness, my years kind of blend together. So I was yes the the, the twenty sixteen uh, outdoor season. So that was year three in the hammer for me, um, which was year four in college. Yes, something yeah. like that. <laughs> um, that was a big learning experience for me overall. Uh, that was so just to give context, winning the indoor nationals is the first time I ever won anything, especially of that magnitude, in my entire life. Right. Uh, I'm getting calls from um, uh, journalism from back home, getting calls from um, journalism in Ashland, right? So in my head, I'm like, man, I got it, figured it out. I have it figured out. Um, So going into outdoors, I'm like, I can, I can't replicate this, you know, why not throw over 70 meters when outdoors? Um, My big problem was I failed to realize in that moment in time that I tried to take the reins. Mm -hmm. Of, of everything going on versus all my success that came was, hey, Jug was laying the blueprint out. I followed the blueprint and we adjusted accordingly based off of our communication and feedback, right? I thought, man, I want indoors. Yeah, I, I need to be doing this for outdoors. I need to be doing this, doing that. And it was actually my worst year in terms of progression. So the year before I threw 66.49, that year I threw 66.88 in the hammer. Worst year of progression. But I had maybe five or six meets over 66 meters, right? Um, so I literally was hitting my head on a wall. And I'm like, I have the, the capability to throw further. I know I do. I feel it in my soul. So after that year concluded, I did not make the Olympic trials. I was 25th and it took 24, right? Um, but again, Judd being who he is, um, still found an opportunity to take me to the Olympic trials to spectate, right? Because he was coaching AG Kruger in his last Olympic trial. So Judd brought me with him. And that's where I had the honor to train with Stuart Toger, of course, Mm -hmm. Judd's coach, um, Lance Deal, Ken Flax, and he influenced American hammer throwing Mm -hmm. as it is, right? It's the reason why it's where it is today. Mm -hmm. Um, And Judd took me there because I want you, he he told me, I want you to see, and I want you to be, Goodness, lost my train of thought. Yes. So he, he told me, um, I want you to experience this now so you know what to look forward to in the next four years, right? Of course, we didn't know COVID. We didn't know all this stuff right. was going to happen. Right. But right. Um, so as I'm sitting in the bleachers and I watch Rudy throw 76-76 and make the Olympic team, like my heart is just racing. Like, and I just feel like almost like a boost of adrenaline. And I'm like, yes. Like, mm-hmm. this is exactly what I needed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go out and I, and I train with Stuart Toger a few times there, and I have some of the best training sessions of my life. Like, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm ready, right? And, and Judd and I had the conversation, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I tried to take the reins. I tried to, you know, I thought I knew it all, right? Um, and Judd always told me one of my biggest blessings and curses is the fact that I had the knowledge of an 80 meter hammer thrower without being an 80 meter hammer thrower. Right. So, so I told myself, okay, going into my senior year, I'm going to be a dumb thrower that listens to everything his coach says. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I mean that from the standpoint of, Hey, I'm not going to think about anything. If Judd tells me to go in the ring and do a cartwheel before I take a throw, I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to second guess nothing. Because that's how I got to where I am today. So he, he knows what he's doing, right? Coach A.G. Kruger, Coach Kimway Johnson, you know. 
um, did a lot of stuff for himself, um, of course, with some guidance. So I'm like, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He got me here. Why, why would I, why would I deter off that path? Right. And I've seen what, what happened to a lot of great hammer throwers that did deter off that path that are no longer in the game today. I'm like, I don't want to be like that. So uh, that year was the year of realization and it was the year of growing up for me. Uh, so going into my senior year, I could do, I can go in and do what I'm supposed to do, you know? Right. So you go, you transition into your senior season. So it's going to be your fourth year throwing the weight, uh, weight in the hammer. And you are, so you're the returning national champion. Are, in, in the back of your mind, are you thinking about that though a little bit? Like, is, are, is it like, Hmm, like I could be, I could, I could win both. Like I can defend my title. I could be, you know, to take that next step forward of being, you know, the next great Ashland thrower that, you know, goes to this next stratosphere. Are you thinking about that at all? Or is it, I just need to, we're starting to kind of like from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. So 100%, I, I expected myself my senior year to be neck and neck with, with Kibway, right. Maybe mm-hmm. not in the weight because we sure. know Kid, we know Kibway <laughs> over 25 meters, right. but in the hammer, I want to say his division two national record was uh, 73, 97, somewhere, somewhere in there, 73, 74 meters. Um, so I'm like, that's, that should be doable. That should 100% be doable. Um, his NCAA or not his record, but Ryan Lodney's um, division two meet record mm-hmm. at the time was 70, 74. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's, you know, we can, we can take right. that down as well. So in my head, I'm like, yes, I'm ready to be on the Mount Rushmore of Ashland throwers, you know? Um, so I got back to, to, to the bases. I got back to doing everything Judd wanted me to do. Um, and we had great success this senior year. Uh, the indoor season, we did not have the success we had the year prior, but I was totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say indoors, I threw maybe 20, 90, close to 21 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that was more so at the compromise of me throwing a lot more hammer that year versus sure. the weight. Uh, but but for the hammer, we had success. We definitely had right. success um, in the hammer. Ended up throwing um, 70, 71 at, at our Ashton Summer Series right. meet, which was a yep. beautiful thing. Made it made it to the U.S. Um, U.S. Outdoor National mm-hmm. meet, placed in the top eight, got eighth yep. there. Mm-hmm. So that was me returning back to being that quote unquote dumb thrower, right? right? Me right. saying, hey, you know, I, Judd is the architect. He's going to lay out the blueprint for me. He's going mm-hmm. to say, if you do this, this, and this, we're going to get this result, right? right? And I went back to being that that person that says, yes, you're correct. And I followed the blueprint and we were able to have that success yeah. that that final year. So like, because uh, you talk, it mentioned uh, throwing a little bit more hammer than weight. So um, mm-hmm. in, in Western New York, we it's like 10 degrees outside by the time we get to Jeez. practice. So we're, uh, <laughs> I know you're down in Atlanta. You could throw all day, every day outside. It's like, <laughs> uh, so we, so we've been, We've we've had one weight practice so far, um, and we have a meet this uh, upcoming Friday. So some of the kids, there's a little like trepidation, right? Like, oh my gosh, like why why have why aren't we haven't we been throwing the the weight since like October? Like I'm not gonna be ready <laughs> and whatnot. So like, how do you um, like at that point do you wrap your mind around like you know what it maybe not I'm not gonna sacrifice the weight for you know bigger aspirations and and the hammer, but there's no weight at the indoor world championships. Right. Mm -hmm. So there isn't anything like that. So how, like, talk about like the, like the the maturity process of just, you know what, well, we're national champion. 
we threw 2090. That's gosh, it's still amazing throw. Um, <laughs> but my, I have bigger dreams now. So how do you like, is that a conversation with Judd? Is that just something that, that you come to terms with of, you know, I want to be, you know, over 70 in the hammer. So maybe we don't throw as much weight. Like how, I mean, cause you're still in college. So you get to score points right. for the team and you're going to do conference and do all those things. But if you threw the weight only, you know, once every two weeks, that's not a big deal. Right. At that point. Right. Or, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, so at the, at that point, we, we definitely talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Judd made the realization and I made the realization that, I wasn't going to be a 25 meter weight thrower. Right. I just, it, that just wasn't going to happen. Right. And that's totally fine. We had no problem with that. So we decided to move more eggs into the hammer basket because we did believe that I was going to be a guy over 70 and historically showing, if you throw 70 at the NCAA meet, then you typically win the meet. Right. right. Uh, so we decided to shift some things around in that regard. And I think our team dynamics only supported that because my final year is the year Daniel Roberts joined the team as well. Right. And he was, I mean, he's a, he's such a talented guy and he was showing signs of being able to throw over 22 meters in the weight, which he ended right. up doing. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, why would it, it was kind of like the thought process of if Daniel Roberts is the guy that wins the indoor weight mm-hmm. and Jordan Cran is the guy that wins the outdoor hammer and they both find a way to go one, two or top three, that's the same amount of points. Both right. kids are successful. Both kids are happy. Right. Right. Uh, so that was kind of the I think that was a little bit more of that thought process uh, moving mm-hmm. forward. And as the mm-hmm. season developed, I started to realize, like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be a 22, 23 meter guy this year. Mm-hmm. But I was OK with that because my sights were set on outdoors. I would. I wanted to be the outdoor national champion at that time versus being the two time indoor weight uh, champion. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to win indoors and I wanted to win outdoors. And if I did that, then I was going to be, you know, happy with that. So indoors, personally, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't care about as much because I definitely did. I wanted to score points for my team and I wanted to be the best that I could be. But if the best that I could provide was 2090 or 21 meters even, and that was the trade-off for me throwing 70 outdoors, I was fine because I knew Daniel Roberts could win. I knew Brent Campbell could possibly win or be top three. Uh, Nick Zach was on his way up. Alex Hill was on his way up. I knew we would be taken care of. Right. Right. Um, And fun fact for that, I didn't even make the final indoor. Um, I I went foul foul and had a dump at 18 meters. I I overstimulated, you know, um, too much caffeine, long story short, and found myself in a place where I couldn't even I didn't even know where I was at. Right. Uh, So especially after that moment, I knew and I realized, okay, maybe this weight thing is not for me, but that's okay because this isn't outdoors, right? If this was outdoors, I would be absolutely devastated. Right. Not, to, not, not to say that I'm not devastated right now, but hey, I'm down here. At that point in time, we were in Birmingham and Judd had to be more so towards the bleachers and there was a decent divide, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hey, I'm here. Let me help out my teammates, right? Let me let me convey the messages that Judd would like me to convey, right? Because him and I, we always had this form of like almost like telepathy, right? So if he's looking at me and I'm looking at him, I can almost pick up his thoughts and then relay that to one of the kids, right? So 
since I'm down there on the infield, I can tell Brent Campbell, hey, let's focus on this. I can tell Daniel Roberts, hey, you're lined up. We just need to do this in three, right? Um, the 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 red shirt freshmen and Alex Hill and Nick Zach, I can remind them, hey, look, we're here. We're still throwing. You guys made finals, right? Now it's time to kick it up. Now it's time to put on your big boy pants, you know? So I can relay those messages. And I was really at peace with what happened. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of going on a tangent here. No, that's, no, that's but, great. <laughs> but uh, I was at peace with what happened my senior year indoors because it was almost like a passing of the guard. It was that transition. It was that, hey, you know, I didn't make the final and it's totally fine. I'm going to make sure you guys score as many points as possible. I'm going to make sure you guys are in the in your perfect place of mind so that you can give your best effort. And those guys did on that day. Those guys definitely did. All four of those guys scored points, which was a beautiful thing. And we were able to make something happen in that regard. So when do you, after you, um, after you graduate, when do you think about, cause it's 2017. So then it's like, okay, pre COVID it's okay. We, it's only three years to the trials now. Do mm-hmm. you like, I, I wanted this to be like a loaded question, but do you think about putting life on hold? And saying, you know what, I'm going to train. I have this dream of still trying to make the trials, or eh, I'll just go get a job and do something, right? Like, <laughs> I, know it's, <laughs> I know it's a little more, it's more difficult than that, but like, how, how long did it take you to come to, you know what, I think I could go another three years and see what happens in the hammer? Yeah, I mean, that was that was always my plan in the back of my head. My, my career did not end in 2017, I did not intend for it. Um, Things like life, the way life took me was a bit more unexpected um, in regards to what happened. Like my, my initial plan was to stay in Ashland. It was to stay there, train, um, help Judd out with all the athletes and, and you know, work that next cycle. Um, but unfortunately, that just wasn't those weren't the cards I was dealt. Um, you know, student loans started to show up. Right. Um, I couldn't. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Those things. Yeah. Yeah. Those gimmicks. Yep. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They, do. they do. They do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and around that time, um, the job that I was working at, I was working on campus as a security dispatcher. Um, what was promised for me or not promised, but what was um, a position that was more so guaranteed for me ended up not being guaranteed. So then the financial stressor became a, became an issue. Right. And also on top of that, Judd recently had one of his biggest recruiting classes ever come in. So he was dealing with 24 throwers. So he was only able to work with me maybe once a week. Right. And at that time, you know, you start to factor in grandkids, you start to factor in him wanting to spend that time with his family and rightfully so like he deserves that and, and more. Right. So, So for me to be able to manage, for me to be able to still train and still take care of student loans and and maintain my sanity, um, I had to find a job. I had to find a workplace. So um, applied to many places in Columbus, Ohio. Didn't hear nothing back. Applied to some places back home in Toledo, Ohio, Mm -hmm. and actually got a job working at an Orange Theory Fitness Mm -hmm. back in Toledo. So uh, made the move back home. Um, and, and continue training, continue training. Um, I would do some things with Judd remote, uh, but I think that was the year that I really wanted to find myself. I, that was the year that I was like, okay, you know, I don't want to put too much on Judd's plate. I never have wanted to, you know, I mean, he's a busy guy. He has so many things going on in his life, but he's a guy that if he loves you and cares about you, he will try to make time for you no matter what. And I'm the type of guy where I don't want him to have to be in that type of position. Right. So um, so that was the year that I went full blown experimentation. 
um, with some technical things with my training. Um, and that was the year that I still had a pretty successful year. Um, I didn't throw over 70, but had several meets at 69 high, um, finished out ninth at the, at the, um, U S nationals that year. Um, actually got bumped out of eighth place by a good friend of mine now, Daniel Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the spark of his career, of course. Right. Um, he's, a, he's a great hammer thrower yeah. to this day. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so, so that was the year that I was really, I really had to find myself. I really had to figure out, okay, is this something I really want to do? Because training with teammates and having a coach that is watching every throw, that is supportive, that's going to take care of you is one thing. But when that's all taken away, you really find out if this is what you want or not, if that makes sense. No, oh, no, absolutely. No, I definitely get it. No, I, um, I, that's why I find like so much admiration and respect for you and for people who, who graduate, who are on the cusp of, do I continue going another two or three years and try and put mm-hmm. stuff on hold? But from a coaching perspective, like it, you know, like with the COVID last year, like I got a couple kids this year that have an extra year next year. And it's like, you're going to come to school and pay $40,000. Cause we're not scholarship to, mm-hmm. uh, to try and maybe, maybe you go to nationals. Like, it's just like the risk reward just isn't, you know, it's not, it's not there. Um, right. So, so now it's, I mean, you're, you're married, happily married. Right. So yes, 2024 is a few years away. Like you, and I mean, I love your throwing videos. So is there, <laughs> is there like, is that the plan? Like, we'll try another three years and see what happens or like how, you know, how do you think this story is going to end here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that is an incredible question. And I think with where I am currently in my life, um, just to give a little bit more context. So I, I am back working, working with Judd. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're working together in, in a bit more of, of a remote setting. Um, and sure. I do have times where I do go up to Ashland for like training camps. Of mm-hmm. course, that's going to kind of be on pause right now because you're getting ready to begin the season. But Judd right. and I, you know, talk very often, very often. Mm-hmm. Um, he writes out my programming, mm-hmm. takes care of everything from the lifting side, the throwing side, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of in a place with my life and, you know, him, him and I definitely agree. It's like, hey, will I ever be an 80 meter hammer thrower? We don't know, right? But what we mm-hmm. do know is that I can be a 75 meter guy and beyond, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where we're going to take it year by year, right? If we give it everything we have this year, everything, I mean, we pull out all the tricks and I throw 70 meters, then it may be worth evaluating saying, okay, do I need to train another two years? Like, like, or do I just move on with life? Right. right. And, and, and either way is it's, and again, I'm at a place in my life where either way it's, it's fine. Right. right. Um, I just told myself um, and my wife told me this too. She's like, you're the type of person that you do not want to leave anything on the table. You want to make sure that when you look back at it, right, whether if I throw 70 meters this year or 80 meters this year, when I look back at it, I want to say, man, I did everything that I possibly could have done. I, w- I went back to my roots. Um, I reconnected with, with Judd in that regard. You know, he took care of everything, but it just wasn't in my car. And that's OK. Right. But I never wanted to sit back and think like, man. What if I gave it another year or two and I went back to working with Judd, right? What, what if I did that? How good could I have been, right? Uh, so really 2024, I would love for 2024 to be the year um, that, you know, I have a shot to make that Olympic team. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I'm just taking it year by year right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost taking it practice by practice. Um, you know, I, I have days where I'm like, oh, man, this isn't looking too good. And then I also have days now where I'm like, wow. I've never been in this kind of shape before in the fall. Never. 
Uh, so yeah, I mean, to answer your question, um, I don't have the, the complete answer sure. at this moment in time, right. but if you ask me in two, three years, sure. I'll, I'll have a more concrete answer for you. So like, how do you, what, what advice would you have then? So someone's, someone's graduating this year. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they have, you know, a couple all Americans, D2, D1, what have you. And they say, Jordan, you know, I want to, I want to continue training. Like what, mm-hmm. what kind of, what, what advice would you give somebody that's still, uh, you know, is chasing that dream? They would, they still don't feel that they've accomplished everything that they, that they can, or they, um, yeah, they haven't accomplished everything that they think that they um, have been able to thus far in their careers. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say first things first, have, have a, have a plan, have a plan, have a blueprint, right? Whether if that's something you do yourself, there are a lot of self-coach people um, that throw very far that, that I know of, right? As long as you have a plan, whether if you make it or you have somebody else make it, mm-hmm. as long as you have that structure and that you, and you abide by that structure, I think you're putting yourself in the best position for success, right? Uh, so I would say that first and foremost, ha- have a plan, you have to have a plan. Next thing I would say is goal set, right? right? If you are a guy that is training as a post-collegiate, a guy or gal, mm-hmm. um, and like, let's use Hammer, for example. Let's say you are a 65-meter guy coming out of college, mm-hmm. and your goal is to throw 70, 75 meters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to make that concrete and realize what comes with that, right? Now in America, having your goal be 70 meters doesn't get you to U- right. U.S. nationals anymore. It doesn't. Right. right. So right. I would almost tell you, Hey, if you're throwing and you're trying to be like an actual professional hammer thrower, mm-hmm. then you got to set your goals higher. And if you don't think you can achieve that, that's okay. Um, lay it the rest and move on with your life. That is 110% right. fine. You know, sometimes you have to just lay it to bed and move on with your life. Mm-hmm. But if you are, doing it for fun or pure enjoyment, if you're like, I just love throwing, I love the grind, I love it, and you don't care about that, then by all means, throw it to your heart's content, right? Um, do that. And I would say the last thing is it has to make sense. It has to really, really, really make sense. You know, if, and I'll use myself as an example. Um, if, if I'm a guy and I'm saying, man, I'm gonna throw 80 meters next year, I'm gonna throw 80 meters next year. And it's five years. And I've been saying that for five years. And you look at my last five year trajectory mm-hmm. and it says 70, 70 meters was my seasonal best, 67, 69, 65, 67. It doesn't really make sense anymore. Right. It doesn't really make sense. Now there are some outside variables in that regard, right? You could be in a system that isn't for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be, you know, you could have had a lot of stress in your life because you were working several jobs and now you got a new job that frees up more time, right? So there are outside variables in that regard that you have to take into account. But if you are in the perfect system or quote unquote perfect system for you, life is relatively low stress or stress-free and everything is beautiful and that happens to you, I think you have to look in the mirror and you have to ask yourself, does this make sense? Does it still make sense? Um, and that's, that's a tough question. That's a tough question that I think we all have to ask ourselves at some point. And if it's, if it's, yes, it's, it still makes sense. Then if you find a way to make it make sense, mm-hmm. then by all means. But right. I think a lot of people in that type of situation would say, no, it doesn't make sense. My student, like my student loans are, are gathering interest. Right. Um, you know, I'm tired of maxing out my credit cards. I'm tired of struggling. You know, go get a job, go start a family, go live your life, travel, enjoy, do whatever endeavors you want to do outside of throwing. Or, or if you want to still be involved with throwing, go be a coach, 
go coach right. a local high school or get into the collegiate system, whatever the case right. may be. Uh, but you competing, my friend, may not may not be the answer anymore. Well, that's good advice. I wish somebody would have told me that in 2004 when I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> when I graduated from college. Um, Jordan, I appreciate your time. Uh, th- you know, uh, best wishes to you this season, and uh, hopefully we see you at the 24. You know, at least the 24 trials. Yes, yes. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, let, let's throw far this year. That's right. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. Yep.